Welcome to the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. A video game that's made from a shortlisted documentary, Oscar shortlisted documentary to be exact. Okay, so before we get into the conversation, this is the trailer and it's in two different languages. So there are parts in another language and then parts in English, but it will help you get the under understanding of the documentary that created the VR video game, My Enemy, My Brother. In breaking news, we have confirmed several reports of a chemical weapon attack which took place early this morning, a mere 100 kilometers from the city of Kostovar. Please, help me. Don't. He's one of them. He deserves to rot in here. We have confirmed reports of a planned chemical weapon attack against the coastal village of Ariplaz. No! My baby girl! My wife is there! Shut up! You know how to use it, right? Neptune, two two inbound. We've got you in our sights. Over. We spent a lot of time talking about Remembrance Day and, and the Legion and poppy campaigns here on the show, and we really wanted to keep that conversation moving, and we found this. I was introduced to Ann Shin, and this is somehow totally different, but somehow totally not different, which is cool. Thanks for spending some time with me here, Ann. It's nice to see you. Hey, Shane. Great to see you. Thanks for having me on. So... Tell us, I don't know where we start here, because in this VR game that you have here, it's inspired by a film that you did. So I guess the first question, I mean, are you a game person or a film person? I'll give a little quick background. Ann Shin had an Oscar shortlisted documentary called My Enemy, My Brother in 2016 that is now turned into an interactive game, which I assume is a way to sort of expand the core of the film into an active experience for people to learn from. So maybe we should talk about the film first then. Sure. The film is about uh, two uh, soldiers during the Iran-Iraq war. One of them was a child soldier. His name was Zahed. And he was tasked to find all the people that were enemy soldiers that were remaining alive in the battlefield and to, you know, off them all. Basically, that was his stuff. He found one soldier who was still alive but he saw a photo in the guy's pocket of the wife and kid back home. And that's what made him stop and say, I, I don't want to shoot him. The guy was also a really young man as well. His name was Naja. So Zahed risked his own life to save Naja and kept him alive for several days until finally there was a truce, truce called. And then Naja's life was saved. There was no more killing that happened. And I just thought, 
that Zahed was just a, a, a child soldier at the time. He was a, a young teenager and he went above and beyond. Like he, he went against the cultural norms. He went against his own, you know, uh, superior's orders and decided to act on his own sen- inner sense of con- his own conscience and to save this other person's life. And I thought, could I, would I have done that? Would I have been brave enough to have done that? And so that central question is something I thought in some ways we all kind of face this. I mean, the stakes aren't as high. We're not on the battlefield like these guys were, but whether it's in the schoolyard and there's a bully or whether it's in the grocery store or down South, like there, the world has become so polarized today that I think that, you know, passions run deep and there's a lot of, um, animosity between people of opposing points of view. And I thought that we really do need to kind of stop and say, hey, can't we recognize the humanity in that other person? So that's why we decided to do this interactive game, this VR and video game, which takes the world, the player into a, another world. So it's like an escape. But at the same time, it's an interesting um, kind of moral landscape you have to travel in to play this game. Well, and I would like to draw some contrast too, is that the the film is a war-centered thing. And us, a generation or two later, we don't know what that was like. We've seen the Hollywood version of it, um, but we don't know how absolutely deplorable those conditions were. And just to create some contrast on how we live our lives today, you're speaking about polarization today, which could be disagreeing in the drive-through versus uh, somebody who, and I mean, this story happened many times during the war, um, during all the wars, where someone had a, a, a twist of conscience or a twist of fate. And so this is in the most deplorable, fearful conditions you can imagine. This is life-threatened all day, every day, kill me or I kill you uh, scenario, and still yeah. being able to find that courage inside it versus today, which is, um, I don't, I, I was in the drive-thru first. Yeah. Or I don't want to, I don't want to put on my mask. I don't want to put on my mask. Or you should put on your mask. You know, like people get so passionate about these things. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, so, I mean, the contrast is very, very, very different. So in theory, the lesson to be learned here um, from truly frightening into everyday life, like, hey, we can, we can manage this should translate quite easily. So, okay. So tell us about, um, Eye of the Beholder, which is a full VR experience too, mm-hmm. which seems like a very filmmaker thing to do, by the way, if you're going to do a game, like it seems like the experiential part would <laughs> yeah. be exactly the way to do it. So tell us yeah. about it. So in, in Eye of the Beholder, you wake up in a bunker, there's battle sounds going on. You don't know where you are or what's, what war's going on. So it's a war zone and it's going to plunge you into uh, what it's like to be kind of in the very disorienting experience of war. Um, and, and you meet other soldiers. Some of them offer to help you and some of them ask for help. And you're not sure like whose side you're on or who's on your team, so to speak. You're just starting to understand what's happening. And every decision you make is, is going to go towards whether you make it out alive or not. Right. So it, Starts out the terrain and the look and the sounds of war. It sounds like a first-person shooter game, but it's actually not that at all. It's really, you know, the success, your success depends on 
how you interact with others. Wow, that's cool. Um, in trailers today for video games, they sound more like movies. Uh, before we continue about sort of the game, you know, have as a filmmaker, have these games become the new platforms for storytelling in movies? Um, I think games have become a really interesting platform for a lot of, a lot of developers and designers who are doing everything from telling long narrative experiences to just straight first person shooter games. I think there are a lot of people doing interesting things, including artists and developers who are trying to make games for change who are trying to introduce different ways to see the world and your role in it through games. So in the moment, in the film and in the game, there's a moment where we all get confronted with in our lives. It's the moment where we step in front of something new. We don't know how to interpret it and we make a decision. Yeah. Um, in the game, let's start there. How does that happen when we're talking about eye of the beholder, mm -hmm. VR experience, you're confronted with something and how do you make the decision? Yeah. The idea is that who is the enemy? Who is the other? It's really in the eye of the beholder, really, right? That's that's why we called it that. You, you'll find that there's a soldier who comes asking for help. And that, you know, w how you interpret him, like, are you going to be suspicious and fearful because it's a war, like it's a conflict zone, and you don't know if he's on the other side or not? Or are you going to be open and trusting? Like, that's basically... Um, you can you can make decisions based on how you feel towards this soldier, and it's a it's a bit ambiguous. You're not sure, and it's really about how what are your preconceptions that you bring as a person to this situation when you see that other soldier, and you look at what he looks like, what his color of skin is, and what the situation is like. How are you going to respond to him? So that is, I guess, where you know you as a player will determine what happens because it's through your eyes. You are the beholder through your, the eye of the beholder, the game, the game, uh, the, the, un, the unfurling kind of events happen. It, it makes me think of the jump scare. You know, when someone jumps in front of you and boo, and then you're like, yeah. ah, and then you react. And I had a yeah. friend of mine do that to me once and I almost punched him and, <laughs> and he was my friend. Right. Uh, and yeah. so uh, biologically, there's a lot that we go through there. And I would imagine in the VR experience, when you're surrounded by, you know, everywhere you're looking, yeah, um, would create that same physiological response. For sure. Like you land in this bunker, there's like radio um, broadcast about, oh, there's chemical weapons attack. There's an explosion. There's a guy rummaging for stuff. And there's like long hallways with like rotating fans. It's very kind of... Blade Runner esque in some sections, it just feels really like where what is this surreal bunker? It's a it's a huge underground bunker, and there's other people who have you know who have other casualties along the way. You're not exactly sure um, where you are, but it's it's a surreal environment, and there's there's you know there's a chemical weapons cache where you know there's a chemical weapons leak, and you have to somehow deal with it. Do you collaborate with this person or that person? These are all these kind of situations that you confront as you try to make it out alive. And, and, and outside is like a desert. It's, it's kind of like a desert. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, okay. It, it sounds fantastic. I, I like. I can. I can really visualize it in my Good. mind of what I think that game would would look like. Good. Bias and prejudice, though, is a is a big thing, and we yeah. we go through it in the drive through. We go through it with the mask at the mall. We go through it um, in the normal life every day, and then that lead down here of being able to interpret, you know, the the friend or the foe, the good or the bad, and and do that, putting it into a game. What do you what do you hope to really accomplish, you know, with that? I mean, I think I I think I see it. Yeah. But I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to throw it out there. I want to hear it from you. What What do you hope to accomplish with that? That sort of core piece of gaming could be about more than just kill count. Yeah. Well, with this kind of game, like you, you go through it and you're on adrenaline. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying to stay alive. And that drives you through the game. And you're not, it's only later when there's an aha moment. And you realize, wait a second, it's not about like how quickly I get out or whatever. It's really about how I've interacted with the others. There's an aha moment where each decision you've made has, you realize it's had an impact on those around you. And that is tallied up at the end and just how, just how it's uh, who's around you and what happens at the very end. So that is, is just one example where this is really not about kill count or how fast you're out. It's about, Oh, that moment of realization that you have. And it's like this physical thing you feel through your body mm. And I'm hoping that that moment of realization stays with the player so that when you are out at the grocery store or, you know, on the streets and you see someone and you have, you know, a snap judgment that you make about them, maybe you'll reconsider or maybe you'll just be a bit more conscious about yourself doing that and perhaps reconsider how you respond to that person in real life. Clarity is a powerful thing, Anne. Like it really is. Like when you can have clarity in your decisions and integrity around the, the decisions you make in life, I mean, it really does change the way that we deal with our partners. It changes the way we deal with our work. It changes with everything that we're up to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a this is a an interesting approach mm-hmm. to 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 doing things differently, if you will. One hopes, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I think first and foremost, like games particularly vr they've been about entertainment as well they should be like i like watching football i like watching movies just to just to escape you know game video games are for fun too right this one and 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 there are lots of games out there as i mentioned where it's also about you can change the way you see your role in the world a bit and that can also be really pleasurable like when when you have a realization personally don't you find that pleasurable? Like when you think, oh, oh my God, I just realized something. Well, I think so. And I think that it, uh, it's the, yeah. I always use the holding the door open example, right? If you yeah. hold the door yeah. open for one person, yeah. um, they walk through and off they go. They may or may not acknowledge you. They may or may not say thank you for that matter. But you know the clarity of, I did something good today. And even if they only ever do it one other time for one other person, I mean, in their whole life, then that, that, I mean, that's one other time. So it's a win yeah. in my opinion. So I, I, yeah. maybe that's so lowest common denominator that it's cheesy, but I truly do look at it that way, right? Like it, it really is um, 
great perspective. So I love this. How can we, how can we see the, my enemy, my brother film? Is there an access point yes. that people can check it yes. out? At? Yeah. So there is a feature film that's on the fathomfilm.ca website that you can access. My enemy, my brother. There's also a short film that you can see off of the New York times Opdocs page. Okay. If you just look up my enemy, my brother, New York times, okay. it'll, it'll come up and that's a 17 minute film. So it's, easily digestible. Okay, great. Why, why do you and the game that? is on Steam. It's for free. There's a PC version, it's desktop, uh-huh. or there's a uh-huh. VR version. Wonderful. And why do you love film so much? I love hearing people's stories, being moved and inspired by people's stories. And that's why I love film and I have enjoyed VR too, yeah. as a way to share those stories. Do you ever watch people watch your films? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, when I see, it's sometimes surprising to see when they laugh or when they're moved. And um, it's, it's wonderful because as a filmmaker, the reason, the whole reason why I embark on filmmaking, it's always a labor of love, right? (laughs) No one's getting rich off of films. (laughs) 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 It's because I'm so moved. It's like, I just want to be, I just want to channel this story and tell it to others, right? Mm -hmm. In the way that I know how to. And so when I see other people watch it and if they feel the same way that I did, I feel like, ah, uh, like it's just the simpatico feeling and just a sense of a common humanity. It's, 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 it's really gratifying to watch. The film is my enemy, my brother, the VR experience, eye of the beholder. Uh, we'll tweet out the links, uh, dig them up and tweet them out too, and share them out. And Shin, thank you so much for sharing the story and, um, and your heart with us, I think on this I can hear it. I can hear that the, hey, by the way, this isn't just another video game. Give it a go. Uh, could be <laughs> yes. fun. Yeah. Thanks so much, Shane. I really love talking with you. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. Even today, I still can't get the autocorrect to correct properly on my iPhone. Like I, I will type in a word like assist and it changes it to something like a uh, tree tip. Like, it, like what? That has nothing to do even with any sort of the Commodore 64 could have figured that one out. I like uh, I like autocorrect. You know, you can get some really interesting. Uh, uh, I wonder if I still have the note in my phone here because I was jotting down just weird stuff my uh, friends would text me that just didn't make any sense at all. Have and, you ever done? Um, have you ever done just the pick the first word that comes up? What I've got in my my phone here, autocorrect, because I was thinking of turning it into a song later on. But uh, I was hungry and irrational. I jumped to Connecticut. <laughs> I think it was Maybe I jumped to burger or something. I think so. I think it was jumped to conclusions. Um oh, that's funny. But it turned into Connecticut <laughs> for some reason. And then can you take out one haggis of bacon? <laughs> <laughs> um watching um watching some TV stuff and some show stuff. Um, Eric Andre, was it Eric Andre? Yeah, Eric Andre did it in his stand-up. We've had Eric Andre, the comedian, on here before. And he takes somebody's cell phone from the audience and he plugs it into a monitor so everyone can see it. And he lets autocorrect write a text message. And he, always, he says, whose mom is up right now? And then he, uh, somebody puts a hand up, gets the phone and texts mom. And they write mom a message based on only the suggested words. And then it's like dirty stuff because typically it's the things that people 
Right. So I just started here and I all I typed in was Matt. Let's see where it goes. Matt, you know that I love you Aww. so much. You have to your Christmas present. Nice. You are a beautiful baby. Sent. <laughs> I'm glad that didn't turn uh, unfortunate. That was so wholesome. Well, yeah, I'm clearly a, some sense. an angel with my language on my phone. I don't ever get inappropriate. Mm. You are a beautiful so. baby. <laughs> I just actually sent it to Matt. <laughs> oh Try it as it's a fun thing, Jason. Pull up yours. Uh, send me a text, Jason Manalis. Does yours have the predictive text on it? Yeah, I do. I'll, I'll do that right now. Let, let, let me okay, see what so I get. Just type in Shane and then type in Shane and then send it to me while we get ourselves set here for Are You Okay? And then I'll read the text on the air and then we'll get Ryan something, to do his predictive text. We're going to get something tells me this might be bad. Okay, wait, man. All the all the sexy stuff you say to Sabrina on your phone might come through here, right? So you never know. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm scared. I, well, I'm going to invite the audience right now. Use your predictive text to text us. 877-399-9898. And just keep it short, maybe 10, 12 words, but write us a sentence only from your predictive text. Try to have it make sense. Try to keep it readable for the radio. And let's see where this goes. I want to know your predictive text. Jason looks like he's sweating. Are you dying a little bit there, buddy, or what? I just, I just sent you a text. Oh, there I it don't is. Know why? All right. It says Shane. I have, <laughs> I have a good day. I love the idea that you would work best to get a New Year's Eve online. Winky face. <laughs> Winky face. <laughs> Classic. Oh, I love it. All right. So send, send in your text messages. Ryan, you work on one too. Send it to me, will you? And I'll. Uh, Oh, we'll read I'm just it here doing in a second. That right now. Okay. Oh, this is fun. Uh, predict. Well, here I want to wait for Ryan's. I don't want to do Are You Okay yet. All right. I just I just sent it over. Okay. Uh, hey, buddy. I am so sorry to hear that you are not the intended recipient uh, or the employee responsible gun ownership. What are you talking about <laughs> on your phone? <laughs> Clearly topics that should not be discussed by a 24 year old you know i'm, I'm oh, thinking man. way too ahead here <laughs> yeah boy you must be a lot of fun with your friends to hang out with if that's what you're talking about in your text message oh man here's another text from ryan about age. gun ownership Jeez. <laughs> all right 877-399-9898 send us text messages only from predictive text in the meantime are you okay are you okay with leaving your boss on red? Do you say red when you do that, or do you say read? I would say it's red, right? Yeah, red. Red. Yeah. Are you okay with leaving your boss on red? Okay, millennials. Somebody uh, pipe up and explain right. to us what this means. I don't know either. Um, so basically, you um, your boss either tries to call you or message you, and you don't reply back to them. You just read okay. it, and then you don't reply back to them. Oh, I see. So the message that that's when you got the text and it says the message was read, but then you take yeah. no action on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Are you okay with leaving your boss on red? So the boss knows that you've read the message, but you're not calling them back or answering the phone. Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? I would say yes. Yeah, this is... Leave the boss on red. Make the boss swell yeah. a little for once. Mm -hmm. 
I think That's I'm okay with it. If, yeah, if, if I'm off or something and like my boss is trying to reach me when I'm like, when I'm not working, I think it's okay to leave them on red. Unless, Absolutely. Unless if you're it's not an working. emergency. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you are working, I, you know, I kind of think, you know, uh, you kind of have to be a professional and like reply back to them. But if you're off, like, like on my weekends, like I don't touch my work email. I don't touch my, like, um, my work stuff. Um, just to like keep my head clear. Um, I'm so, a jerk. So, and- I, I gotta apologize. I'm going to apologize out of my integrity because of what went through my head right now, because you don't know what went through my head, but I feel really bad. What went through my head. You said, I don't touch my email on weekends. I was like, dude, you hardly touch your email on weekdays is what went through my head, which is totally not true. Jason works really hard, but I'm going to just acknowledge the fact that I'm a jerk and that went through my head. I'm really sorry. If, if it makes you feel no, any better, um, I don't touch my email at all until I get into work. Yep. Yeah. And to my, to, to Matt's point, I mean, if, if it's your personal phone and your boss is texting you, Unless they're contributing to your phone plan, I would also go as far as to say that no, just leave them on red. Absolutely. All right, let's get the clip here so we can understand the story. I actually, my senior staff knows this. Uh, We've had so much outreach uh, personally from both the president and the vice president that I had to change the ringtone on my phone. And it rings hail to the chief because I didn't want to miss another phone call directly from the White House to to help the state of Arizona. You can hear it. You hear the background, the ringtone. Arizona's governor appeared to screen a call from Trump while certifying his state's election results after he said that that's the song he had. Um, The song goes off. It's a message from the uh, president's office. and He let it go. Doug Ducey had previously (laughs) admitted that he changed his ringtone. And then in the background, you can hear it as he was certifying Biden's victory in Arizona. That's not awkward. (laughs) He just you can just tell he was done. You know, he's like, "Ah, no, this is it. I can seal the deal here. I am out. Oh, man. Um, Are you who I don't know which one I want to do next. Um, Are you okay with COVID catching? Uh, No. (laughs) I would say in general, if the word COVID is in a sentence, I'm usually not okay with it. You know? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I I guess the logic behind this is, um, to try and get some uh, immunity, um, but yeah, not okay. It works with them. Some things does not work with COVID. I'm sorry. It's not a sport. Yes, exactly. Okay, and what can be called only strange and bewildering, it appears that a couple in BC, a family, is requesting to be exposed to COVID-19. Last week in an online ad uh, that appeared on a classified advertising website in small interior town of Revelstoke, which is beautiful, by the way. Ma'am, well, that's a nice place. Uh, We are a healthy family, and we would like to safely expose ourselves to the virus to help build our natural immunity, the ad said. We can house you for a night or however long it takes, and we'll provide you all of your meals. This kind of behavior has consequences, absolutely, Um, like catching COVID, just saying. There's been all kinds of betting around this, too. That sounds like a swinger ad. Wait a second. That sounds like something a swinger would post. No offense if you swing. Yeah. Right? No. (laughs) If that's your, if that's your, if that's your, 
jam. That's your bag. Banana hammock. Then you swing away, my friends. But that sounds more like a swinger ad than anything else. Anyway. Um, <laughs> we... Leave your keys oh. in the uh, the hat. And that's who you're going home with at the end that's of the That's who you're day. going home with. Um, look for the house with a hedgehog on the stoop. So come for a night or however long it takes. Anyway, um, there's consequences to this. In San Antonio, down in the States, a man died after attending a party where attendees were purposely tried to catch the virus. Uh, here's that story from Tiffany Werdes with KSOT 12 News. One of the things that was heart-wrenching that he said to his nurse was, you know, um, I think I made a mistake. And this young man went to a COVID party. Chief Medical Officer for Methodist Hospital, Dr. Jane Appleby, says the man was just 30 years old. He didn't really believe. He thought the disease was a hoax. He thought he was young and that he was invincible and wouldn't get affected uh, by the disease. Appleby says lately she's been hearing about COVID-19 parties. Someone will be diagnosed with the disease and they'll have a party to invite their friends over to see if they can beat the disease. Appleby says some young patients don't realize how sick they really are. People will come in initially and they don't they don't look so bad they don't look really sick but when you check their oxygen levels and you check their lab tests uh, they're really sicker than they appear on the surface <sighs> i man i think i made a mistake um yeah yeah i think you did so anyway the ad's been since taken down ryan you tried to find it you tried to contact those people no luck I did. Uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, these people genuinely felt like this is the direction they want to take. They see the traction it gets online and it just take it back, forget about it, lock it down. Hopefully they recognize why this is not the direction they should be going in. But uh, I did I did a look, I did a search and there was nothing. The ads down on the websites, you know, it's all it's all locked down. Ah, but didn't it say, down. didn't it actually say that there was, uh, it didn't work last time, so we're trying again kind of thing? Paraphrasing, of course. Well, they, well, what they had done was they had actually found someone who had agreed to do it, and then they pulled out. So oh. two crazy things there. Someone agreed to do it, and they were, that happened. They got turned down, and they said, well, ah, let's try again. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. Give them credit. They're, they're sticking to their guns, that's for sure. All right. Uh, okay, well, the ad's down, by the way, if you wanted to contribute to that. Are you okay? Are you okay with insurance policies for Christmas trees? That's something that uh, Clark, Clark Griswold could have used. Yes. Come on, give the Lewis line. Oh, nice. So what's the matter with you? <laughs> My tree! <laughs> You burned down my tree. Look <laughs> oh, what you did to my tree. It was an ugly tree anyway. At least it's out of its misery. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Out of applause, uh, my friend. Oh, <laughs> so Excuse me. Matt has an incredible memory, especially when it comes to National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Every single line. I have the script for the movie, and I've actually vetted his, um, his, his lines, and they're bang on accurate. Uh, it's it's fantastic. Anyway, are you okay with insurance policies for Christmas trees? This is uh, this is a thing that happened on the East Coast, and um, this is the um, this is the sound of St. John residents celebrating a giant Christmas tree lighting last year. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Woo! 
See, joy, Christmas joy right there. Now, those people are sad because they have no tree. Uh, Ducor CEO Danny Williams says last week the company applied to the city to light up a tree in a roundabout. They're just trying to be nice for the holidays. Last year, the tree was lit without any issue. However, Williams said this year, the city initially turned down their application due to traffic concerns and then required the company to apply for a building permit. So they did. Ducor complied. They were hit with another snowball. They have to take out a $2 million insurance policy so they can have the tree there. Needless to say, Williams isn't happy with the city. This clip is courtesy of NTV News, and it's awesome. I have never seen such absolute horse in my entire life. How grinchy does it get? This is the same city that is advertising, lighting up the city on, at 5.45 on Thursday, December 4th, and bringing you know, cheer into people's hearts and everything else in a COVID year. Well, that's what we're trying to do in Galway. Why is Galway so different? Why is this year different than last year? It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I personally have said it before. Why anybody would want to do business in this city with that type of nonsense is beyond me. So we'll take it down at our earliest available opportunity, you know, safely and, and remove it. And there'll be no tree in Galway this year. Wow. Wow. I just, I just want to quickly hear the guy at the start. I have never seen such absolute horse in my entire life. <laughs> I love to say Johnson's not very called Galway. Right? But there's just I feel like there's just certain things that should be untouched by politics, bureaucracy, and the one like top of that list is a Christmas tree. Why why would you make it so complicated? What's right. the point of that? It's just gonna make everybody mad. Well, so this is in like the cities typically go and put banners along the street lanterns with candles and wreaths that light up all along the streets. So if you're going to say to me that this tree in the roundabout is more distracting than these endless lines of lights down street posts, come on, man. Come on, man. Come on. All right, 877-399-9898. We do have a Christmas, uh, some Christmas cheer uh, coming up for you that you can look forward to. First, though, should we read some of these text messages that have come in now, the predictive text? Yeah, these are baffling. Oh, These, yes. this, this could be a new thing. Let's just put it that way. I'm going to just bang through some of these. Some are good. Some are weird. Okay. Shane is a little more lenient than you can say in the morning. Hey, Shane, I've been chasing the door. Enjoy your weekend. It's supposed to be smiley face. <laughs> These are only predictive text messages from listeners. Uh, is this the shift this time? I've tried a couple of numbers. I found it on the internet. No, actually, no, that one I think is a legit text. Yes, this is the shift. Um, uh, I found <laughs> it on the internet. I hope so. Um, my flocked Nobel tree was a mint. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, it's so good. Um, how to make your hair in a new car park inside of the garage. <laughs> Thank you very much, Cat and Gimli. He is a good guy, and I'm very interested in the job. <laughs> oh, wait a second. Whose job? Uh, Shane was the first to go on a plane to get a new one. <laughs> My lord, I am not sure you have questions or need to be good fit for the upgrade application for the update regarding my application. It's interesting what people words because I mean this is your phone trying to figure you out. Um, Shane, do you want to get a hold of me and tell me what you want to do with me? 
Well, hello. Oh, my. Saucy. Um, my predicament text, God goes army shoes. <laughs> uh, at least so far, there's been no uh, mom jokes that have come in. That's good. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. Let's get uh, <laughs> let's get into it in case you missed it. In case you missed it on the radio, here's sunshine and hours. Ding. Ding. Um, so in case you missed it, one, um, 2020 has filled out a lot of deeply strange spaces on the proverbial on the proverbial bingo card. But few outside of uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's immediate orbit could have expected a new Borat movie. Um, like who would have actually guessed after a full 14 years after the original, he would come back with he would come back with a new one. So according to a new interview with Entertainment Weekly, Cohen unveiled the reason Borat had to come back. Here's a clip. When Donald Trump got elected president. I felt it was time to go undercover again. So I reached into the wardrobe and pulled out the gray suit. What a terrible year for the world. And I felt putting Borat in there and getting people to, you know, pushing these people even further and getting them to sing along to injecting people with coronavirus who didn't wear masks i felt you know you you could show this kind of dangerous slip into authoritarianism and tyranny but you know meeting people who were good and who believed in goodness and forgiveness and compassion and empathy so um yeah so no surprise there (laughs) um really um, but that's why he wanted to bring Borat back, and we've talked a lot about um, uh, the sequel of uh, that, um, the sequel of the original Borat movie. Um, as great as it was, as great as great as it was, um, you can tell that there was a plan and an agenda there. So uh, that's the. Um, I think it's worth the watch. It. it is. It is still worth Definitely. the watch. It's still hilarious. Um, so, <laughs> a big day in the NBA today. Um, for uh, everyone, anyone who uh, follows basketball. Um, first of all, Los Angeles Lakers forward LeBron James is staying at LA for at least two more years after he signed a huge contract extension. Here's a clip. The greatest player in the world now has a new deal. LeBron James has signed a two-year contract extension with the Lakers, his agent announced, worth $85 million. So I'm just jotting down what notes I can for you here. Two for 85 for LeBron. That will take him through his age 36 and 37 seasons. He will turn 36 this December. Well, this is December. What am I talking about? So he will turn 36 soon. This is his age 36 season, and then it'll take him through his age 37 season. That will be his 20th year in the NBA. And we know his stated goal has been to try to play someday with his son, Bronny. Okay, um... So um, that's a huge number. So let me break down this math for you real quick as uh, we love play, uh, breaking down player salaries here. So for two years, uh, it's $85.7 million contract. One, in one month, LeBron James makes $3.57 million. In one day, he makes $117,397. In one hour, $4,891. One minute is $82. And once every second he plays is a dollar thirty six. And um, before uh, we had the show today, or uh, before we had the show, we had a meeting, 
and we discuss uh, breaking down how much he makes per shot he takes. Uh, so per shot, it's $65. So every time he takes a shot, 65 bucks. Man. So just break that. Uh, so think about that in your head and just see how crazy, crazy those numbers are. You can really buy a lot of tacos for that, that amount of money. Um, I mean, I, I would, can you imagine if they gave you tacos for every shot, Matt, you'd be in heaven. Yeah. Because, and uh, don't be alarmed because I've got this clip here. Um, because LeBron James loves. Taco oh yeah. Because <laughs> who doesn't love Taco Tuesday? Absolutely. And uh, that is not including his $1 billion deal with uh, Nike. So, a very rich athlete uh, in that. Um, and yeah, so we were talking about phone plans earlier. Every time he takes a shot, that's a phone plan right there. So um, uh, um, well, Imagine when he's playing with his kid, how much their family's going to be making when Bronny makes, uh, is playing actively full on in the league. And everybody fully expects that whoever gets Bronny is going to get LeBron at a discount just so they can play together. Yeah, uh, for, for sure. And like the, the father and son connection right there. And also what gets swept under the rug in all this is just to think about where LeBron James came from. It's truly inspiring. Um, his hashtag is always just a kid from Akron. Literally came like from nothing. And to be a billionaire like that in sports is, uh, is crazy. So congrats to LeBron James. Um, so this story came out um, while I was trying to look for it in case you missed it today. So during a Michigan hearing on the legitimacy of the U.S. presidential election, U.S. President Donald Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, well, let one rip while trying to make his point. And here's the clip. The answer, point of order. The answer that I gave you is they didn't bother to interview a single witness, just like you. No. They don't want to know the truth. Well, you probably know the truth. I mean, cheers oh. to him for just powering through that, you know? Just push. He just he pushed on, did he? he? He pushed one out, and then he pushed onward, you know? And that's what, what sometimes you got to do. It's all. It's happened to all of us, so it is funny, but, you know, hey, cheers, cheers to him for powering on there. Hey, best, best dad advice I was ever given as I, as I got older uh, was from my buddy Mike. And Mike said to me, he says, look, you're about to turn 40. And there's a couple of things that you need to know. Most importantly, there is one. When a man turns 40, never trust a fart. And I thought I was going to get some sort of deep advice, but it turns out that would be the case. Can we hear that one more time? Just the beginning of it, Matt. That was the, the uh, I think that'll be all right. I gave you is they didn't bother to interview a single witness, just like you. They don't want to know the truth. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh, is that worse than the hair dye or is the hair dye worse? I think that's I the greatest know. thing I've ever heard. He's, well, so far he's yeah. been in two of our in case you missed it stories, one sort of consequently uh <laughs> with the Borat movie and then the other one um I mean does anybody have any respect for Rudy Giuliani after this? He's got to he's got to hang it yeah. up, eh? He's having he's he's had a pretty undignified year. <laughs> that's the legacy i don't get it anyway sorry i digress in <laughs> case you missed it happy fun one. not not soapboxes about politics um but yeah no the funniest thing about that clip was the person beside him like this i think it was his uh his assistant there when he farted she just looked at him and with the like <laughs> deadest look and it was the funniest thing ever and um it has been confirmed so like a lot of people thought this was fake there it has been confirmed that um in that room in that, in that courtroom that he did let one rip so um 
Yeah. Like it wasn't one of those sort of deep fake farts or anything like that. No. Someone no, just no, not one of those. Dubbing yeah. in those those fake uh fake farts in there. Rudy Giuliani just farted in court and the poor lady next to him heard it. That's the clip. I'm gonna I'm watch this video. At it right now. Yep. <laughs> it's genuine. Um, this is a real It's a real thing. Uh, the 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 hashtag on Twitter is Rudy Tooted. <laughs> 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 Taco Toots Day. Okay, I'll tweet it out. The Tootie Twitter account Rudy. that we have, by the way, is the Shift Canada, and uh, I'm going to put it on there because this is mind-blowingly beautiful. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, one more in case you miss it here. Um, another monolith has appeared, this time in California, where locals discovered a metallic object atop a mountain on uh, uh, yesterday, December 2nd. This footage was provided to Storyful by Gary uh, uh, Loins, who says he runs and hikes on Pine Mountain regularly throughout the week. On Wednesday morning, he encountered the object, which he said was, was not present the day before. Others took to social media to, to post photographs of the monolith, and by the, afterno- by, and by the afternoon on December 2, local media confirmed its presence and measured the object as nine feet in height. And here's a clip of him discovering it. All right. I guess this is the thing now, right? So, be prepared to see these everywhere. Ah, oh, dear. <laughs> you know, I was I was just thinking if like if I heard that out of context without any story, it would be just I, I'd be very very interested. You could apply that to anything. Yeah, you can apply anything. that. Yeah, just see. Let's just play it again. Just imagine that you didn't hear the story. All right. I guess this is the thing now, right? So, be prepared to see these everywhere. Ah, oh, dear. Ah, oh, dear. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Ah, oh, dear. <laughs> so, well, there might be a so, new intro for the show there, Matt. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, I love it. I, lo- I love how we're closing 2020 with a monolith watch. We're, like It seems like every week now there's a new monolith. <laughs> um, so, I... We did. We did. Are you okay with monoliths already on this week? Um, so it seems like that's how we're going to close out this uh, year. COVID and monoliths. There was somebody who made a parody of it, and they had a basically a triangle box wrapped in tinfoil, and they had a Sasquatch guy in a Sasquatch costume sneaking into the forest and oh, trying to get it one. to stand up straight so it wouldn't fall over and running away. <laughs> that sums it up pretty well. Yeah. Oh, it does. Oh, it's a thing of beauty. All right, well I done. Jason Manawa, Sunshine Sparkle Pants. Um, and you're in case you missed it. Uh, great job, sir. Always love it. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio.